So brothers and sisters, I want to start by showing you this little clip that the Archdiocese produced around the death of our dear friend, David O'Connell. I can't imagine having walked that road without David at my side. I'm sure I would have got lost. Think where a man's glory most begins and ends, and say my glory was, I had such friends. But he wasn't just my good friend. Friendship is something he was good at. He was friends with young and old, Far and wide, I've heard from people in Peru, in South Africa, of course in Ireland. He was friends up and down the social scale, at ease in the corridors of power and with the powerless. He was a friend too that was good. I was better for having known David O'Connell. Many of you were too. He was a friend of souls. David did soul work. He spoke to the soul. He healed souls. He brought peace to souls. He always used to think that he would take some time and write. But as the Welsh clergyman and poet R.S. Thomas had it, he left no books, memorials of lonely thought. Rather, he wrote on men's hearts and in the minds of young children sublime words, words of forgiveness, words of healing for Dave. Life was prayer. Life was in the presence of Christ. And that is what he shared. Yes, he helped the poor. Yes, he fought for justice. But most of all, what he wanted to share was that encounter with Jesus Christ, that relationship with Jesus Christ. Go, dear friend, rest in the arms of your friend Jesus. Go join the poor Juan Diego under the loving gaze of the Blessed Mother. I hear, I think I hear the Lord say to you, my friend David O'Connell, come. Blessed of my Father, enter into the kingdom prepared for you from the beginning of creation. I really wanted to go to that funeral because uh, Bishop O'Connell was a dear friend and uh, I had such an admiration for him and respect for him, but I wasn't able to do it, so... I sat there at St. John's and I had the, I uh, was watching it and um, what struck me about this great bishop was that he had this incredible, this, this incredible love for people, for the poor, for those who are on the outskirts, uh, the, the poor, the, the folks that are immigrants, uh, gangs, you get right in the middle of it. And 
Brothers and sisters, I prayed. I prayed to God that I would just receive one-tenth of David's spirit. So I'm here to say to you today that while I spent these days kind of in repose, my heart and my soul said to me that whatever breath of life God gives me left, I promise you, I will do everything, everything I can to be in the spirit of that welcome and that hospitality. We cannot allow our church to be a church of the few. We are a church of all. And we must, I must, along with others, do everything I can. And I'm not trying, I'm not saying I'm arrogant, I'm not the only person doing it, we're all doing it. But, but, but just to, to welcome people, especially people who are struggling, who are outside our tradition, who've left, who need God's love. Brothers and sisters, that's our great challenge. So I'm grateful to David. As you know, he was killed tragically. But the spirit must live on, and we must do our best to continue that great journey of love and faith. So thank you for allowing me to show that little clip this morning because I felt uh, it would be good just to share a little bit of his life and especially his death. His friend Jay Cunane, the priest that spoke, was his Anamkara, his soulmate. For 45 years, every Thursday they met and had dinner together. So they shared everything with each other. I pray to God that each and every one of you have that Anamkara, that you have that soulmate, that you have a person that you can share your life, your love, everything that you own and have, that you believe in that, because that's the gift. That's the gift that we all received. So, guess what happened? We get the gospel of the Samaritan woman. It couldn't be better, could it? Let me just give you a little thought on the background of it, and then I'm gonna ask you a question. The, the Samaritans and the Jews were at odds. Uh, the Samaritans had intermarried uh, without the tradition of the Jewish faith, and so they were kind of left out. And there was a big struggle between the people who were of Jewish tradition and the Samaritans who were Jews, but had been separated and distanced. So here's the, 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 the scene. It's midday. And our Lord is in Shechem, which is in Samaria, right in the middle of it. And he's at a well. And this woman comes. A woman who had been abused. A woman who was looking for intimacy for sure, but probably didn't find it. Was used. Scarred. Coming out only when nobody else was around. Midday, hot. So she wouldn't have to face 
the people of that city. What does our Lord do? He doesn't say to her, you've been married five times, what the heck's the matter with you? Why did you allow yourself to get into these kinds of situations? He speaks to her of love. Our Savior goes to Shechem, meets this woman, this woman who, is, who had lived such a tragic life, and all he does is share with her the living water, love, honor, respect, the very thing she'd always, always been looking for. There it was. And so it changed her. She not only received Jesus as Messiah, but then she went and told everybody in the town and then she had to, he had to stay for a few days to, just to participate in it with her. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful gospel. So you get the scene. Now suppose we, today, are the Jews. And a Samaritan woman walks into our church. What will be our response? Think about that. What would we say? How would we act? How would we even look at this woman? My brothers, my sisters, that's the message. That's the message of this story. It's the message of the life of our blessed Lord. He just goes out, embraces everyone, shows them that they're respect and loved. And as a result, it changed her life. It wasn't because she was scolded. It wasn't because she was told she was bad. It's because he showed his love. Does that make sense? Would we do the same? That's the question. Do we do the same? That's the question. Oh, my brothers and sisters, that's what you and I must continue to search our hearts and our minds that no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the condition, we embrace each other, we honor each other, we love each other. And it's from that that we continue to grow as the great people of God of St. Monica's community. I'm so grateful that we live in this community of faith or at least we're making an effort. We're making an effort to welcome all. This Sunday, we celebrate the 10th anniversary of our Holy Father Francis. 
Now, you may know I like him. <laughs> and I looked something up yesterday, something he said about this gospel, really. And it really struck me. It's right from his heart. He said, A key word of Jesus is all. For me, this is the key to pastoral openness. Everyone invited to the house. There's a bit of, con there's a bit of commotion when everyone is invited to the house. But everyone inside the house. I want a church of open doors. That's what I really want. To open doors and to walk with people. But brothers and sisters, we have an example. An example of a great man who at 86 years of age, he's older than me. <laughs> at 86 years of age, is out there every day, smelling like his flock, reaching out to those who are lost and separated and distanced. And so today, I ask you, let's just take a moment and give great thanks to the living God for giving us such an incredible leader in Pope Francis. Thank you, I love you, and let's have a wonderful day.